Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. It's never an easy call with so many problems in the world to know where to direct the money that you donate when you want to help out in this world. But what I can tell you is that when you donate to CAMH, you're saving lives. We know about the opioid crisis. We know about the mental health crisis. They are doing the work. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help us treat addiction and build hope. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. We hear a lot about the opioid crisis. We talk a lot about the mental health crisis. These are serious problems. These problems affect us all. They've affected my life and my community. They're not intractable problems. I don't know what's going to solve them on a policy level, but day-to-day helping people, that's what CAMH does. They do it on the ground when people need help, and they do it through research. The team at CAMH gave our team a tour of their facilities, and we were really just blown away by the incredible, heroic work that they're doing every day. They treat everyone with dignity, and their research is seeking and finding real solutions for everyone around the world. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. 
And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool, doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer. And it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. First things first, let's talk about my sponsor, FreshBooks.com. You've heard me talking about them. You know that this is a invoicing service. If you are a person who needs such a thing, if you invoice anyone ever, why not just go try it out? Go to FreshBooks.com, tell them I sent you, and you will get a 30-day free trial. You can see how it looks and how the whole thing works before you send your first invoice. Give it a shot. You'll see that this is a real time saver of a service. FreshBooks.com. Remember how I couldn't get the CBC to talk about this speaking gig thing? Well, it's been a hell of a week. A former CBC journalist says the speaking fees accepted by some hosts at the public broadcaster not only make for bad optics, they may amount to a conflict of interest. Peter Mansbridge is one of the most respected figures in Canadian broadcast news, but this week Mr. Mansbridge is under fire for a paid speaking engagement at the Canadian Association of Petroleum Producers, or CAP. This week came news that CBC News anchor Peter Mansbridge has also been paid to speak at an event. This is Nova Scotia Senator Terry Mercer. I referred to an article that appeared in another uh, news media outlet, which claimed that Mr. Mansbridge spoke to the Canadian Association of Petroleum Producers. Jeffrey Dvorkin, what is wrong with CBC journalists being paid to give speeches? It gives the impression that the CBC has the best journalist money can buy. He is on the website of CAP, the, the petroleum producers, and they are one of the biggest lobby groups in the country pro-tar sand. That is not acceptable for the person who's the face of CBC News, the chief correspondent. The problem is when you take money from an organization that has an interest in how the news is covered, what Rex has done, he has, frankly, I think, sullied the reputation of all CBC journalists by doing that, and Peter Mansbridge hasn't helped particularly in taking money from that source either. Mr. Mansbridge and Mr. Murphy have consciously decided not only to accept that money, to, to, to pocket that money, and they owe their audience an explanation. We did request interviews with Peter Mansbridge and Rex Murphy today. They were not available for an interview. Well, let me just say, I mean, I, I think, you know, we're focusing a lot on uh, on Peter, but uh, my, my problem is actually is even more with the, with the management here, and I mean, why aren't they appearing on this program? We did ask CBC's general manager and editor-in-chief, Jennifer McGuire, to participate in this conversation. Ms. McGuire declined, and no one else from CBC management was made available. So I think it's very serious, and I think the way the CBC handled it was atrocious. I've heard from more than a few CBC journalists who are expressing the same reservations about what is going on, and they do believe that there is a double standard at play, that if they were caught in these perceived and real conflict of interest, that their futures here would be short, and I can assure you that that debate is more than percolating inside the CBC. 
Well, that's good to hear. I hope it percolates yeah. outside the CBC too. Tony, you were the head of CBC News for a while. What do you make of this uh, this issue? I think at minimum, we should be told that if CBC personnel are in fact going out and giving paid speeches to organizations, then somewhere on the CBC website, we should know, we should have a list of those kinds of appearances. Before I begin, I should add that I've been paid to speak at various engagements across Canada, although usually for universities and librarians. I occasionally make speeches or moderate panels or do interviews on stage outside of my CBC job, and I'm often paid for that. Probably, if you want accountability, the best solution is to have uh, social media types and bloggers pointed out to the, uh, to the public. Say my name, say my name. They will not say my name. Social media type and blogger. Uh, what did Rex Murphy say? Some vicious bloggers. What did the CBC say off the top there? Former CBC journalist. I'm glad they didn't say disgruntled former CBC journalist. I thought that was coming. I, I feel very gruntled. In Canada's wonderful Senate, what was I referred to as? Another news media outlet? As it happens, the current queue, and that's just what you're getting from the CBC, all of them picking up a story that I've been on for almost a month, even booking Andrew Mitrovica, John Kay, the same people I've had on the show, talking about the subjects that I've been begging them to talk about, and not mentioning my name or the name of Canada Land. Do I sound bitter about that? Shouldn't I be bitter? Didn't I break this story? Was I not the first journalist to learn that Peter Mansbridge was also taking oil sands money? Actually, no. No, I, I did break the news, but I was not the first to know about it. And that's what I want to talk about today. That and a couple of other things. This was a big deal, what happened this week. Outside of even this particular controversy, this was a big deal. Nothing like this has ever happened before in the Canadian media. And it brings up a few interesting things to talk about. And that's what I want to spend this episode talking about. Not gloating. I'm going to keep it classy. This is not a victory lap. No gloating. I will not sing ever again. I promise I am in a very good mood, but I'll, I'll tone it down a little and focus on the first topic I want to discuss, which is this question of like, where does news come from? I mean, it, it seems to land on the airwaves in the newspapers fully formed. They say a controversy has erupted this week or news broke this week. And then we get all of these, these big names and there's senators talking about it. And there's people from journalism schools and very serious people are taking this very seriously. And just a week ago, nobody wanted to talk about this. So, so what happened? Okay, to my knowledge, this story originated not with a journalist, but with a scientist. Sierra Rain, an environmental scientist, started to tweet this grainy little JPEG of Peter Mansbridge speaking at a CAP podium. The image originated on CAP's own Facebook page, and as far as I know, Sierra Rain was the first one to notice and notice that there might be something hinky about that, Peter Mansbridge speaking to the oil industry. So he took a screen grab and he tweeted it. The first blog that wrote about this, to my knowledge, is a conservative blog, BC Blue. This guy, Dean, blogging about why are they getting on Rex Murphy's case, Peter Mansbridge has been doing the same damn thing. So I saw that stuff on Twitter, but I wouldn't have run anything until I knew that Peter Mansbridge was paid for that event. And it's something that I was going to verify, but then somebody beat me to it. Another journalist, a journalist for a mainstream news organization, got the confirmation first, which was a crucial thing to get the confirmation from CAP that they paid Peter Mansbridge. They wouldn't say how much. This journalist got in touch with me and told me that they had learned this. And I said, fantastic, great. Why don't you run the story? I'll pick it up and talk about it. And they said, yeah, you know what? It's not really my beat. You can have it. 
And I said, okay, well, can I credit you for doing the reporting on that? And they said, well, you never know what's going to get me into trouble here at my mainstream news organization. Why don't you leave my name out of it? And that's why I'm not telling you this person's name, but they did good work. And it was their revelation that led to this thing breaking on the Canada Land website. Now, that post by me on CanadaLandShow.com, that got traction. Gord Perks, Councillor Gord Perks, left-leaning city councillor here in Toronto, he picked it up. He retweeted me and said, this is so very wrong, the CBC must act. And then linked to my post. Before you know it, my blog post is getting quoted in our glorious Senate to the CBC president, Hubert Lacroix, who is facing questions about his own expense scandal. And once it's being talked about in the Senate, I guess it's news, right? And and pretty soon we saw posts from all around. And I'm going to get the uh, timing of this all wrong. But very soon, in short order, I think Andrew Mitrovic at iPolitics had already written about it. And then we had the Huffington Post Canada. We had Vice Canada. We had Canada.com. And in most cases, when a news source would pick up the story, they would add to the story. Not just news sources. People on Twitter were finding new revelations and adding stuff to this, finding more links to more stories, other CPC hosts doing the same thing. More on that later. Everybody looking for an angle. Ishmael Darrow at Canada.com comparing the statements that Vice Canada had received from the CBC and Huffington Post Canada had received from the CBC and comparing that to what Hubert Lacroix told the Senate and what Peter Mansbridge had written on the CBC's editor's blog and realizing that they were essentially the like verbatim same statements, that these guys were all on message track delivering the same talking points uh, in the way you would expect of Harper Minister's. In the same week that Peter Mansbridge did a big expose on plagiarism in Canada's universities. It happened very quickly. It was very exciting. It happened on an ad hoc basis. I mean, you want to look at this as a swarm, a lynch mob, or, or a conspiracy? Forget it. No, there's no conspiracy that includes both Sun News and Rabble.ca. This was coming from the left and the right. It was coming from competing news organizations, but very rapidly, a story that had been Almost a forbidden topic got reported from every possible angle. And we did something for the first time in Canada. I will remind you about Margaret Wente. Now, we had Carol Wainio writing about Margaret Wente's plagiarism on her Media Culpa blog. And we had everybody in the Canadian media with awareness that Margaret Wente was a plagiarist and nobody would talk about it until the Guardian UK broke the story. Once a foreign newspaper was talking about it, then it was fair game. We have not been able to clean up our own messes in this country. Same thing with the Fords and Gawker. We need somebody else to break a dam, to to somehow create a situation where this Canadian propriety and politeness can be pushed past in the name of reporting the news. This time, however, we did it ourselves. It came from the bottom up, from people on Twitter, from the left and the right, pushing the story up because it was important to them. And it came from the top down, from this mainstream news journalist who felt uncomfortable or, or was not able to cover this themselves through their own news organ. So they leaked it to me, someone who feels no discomfort uh, covering the story about Peter Mansbridge, which in turn made it okay for their news organization to eventually cover it. And you'll see the story now in the Globe and Mail and the Toronto Star and everywhere else. It is the first glimmer of a self-corrective mechanism in our media that will make it possible to talk about a lot of stuff that we have not been talking about. Now, this takes us to the point at which it was actually covered on the CBC. And I think it's really worth saying, like, bravo, bravo to, as it happens, the first CBC news source to cover this. And they covered it really well. 
I can tell you from experience, it is hard. It is hard to broadcast allegations about Peter Mansbridge on the CBC. I think they were very clever about how they did so. I think playing the tape of what happened in Senate, I think playing the tape of Rex Murphy speaking, I think having someone like Jeffrey Dvorkin on who runs the University of Toronto's journalism program and letting him say that this is just obviously a completely unacceptable conflict of interest and just asking questions. How can they be faulted for simply asking questions? That's their job. The current and Q also deserve accolades. And boy, is it not incredible that CBC TV still hasn't covered this, nor have they made themselves available to the CBC. The CBC is stonewalling the CBC. CBC television isn't talking to CBC radio because of this. And this, I hope, is another breakthrough moment. Not that CBC has been compelled to fight with itself, but that people at the CBC who care about the credibility of the CBC may have found their voice. You heard a little bit earlier from Andrew Mitrovica when he appeared on The Current saying this. He knows, as I know, that there are tons of people at the CBC who have been quietly cheering on Canada Land and iPolitics and who have been just disgusted by this whole incident and by management's reaction to it. Everybody knows that anybody else would get fired at the CBC for doing the same thing, just as everybody at the Globe and Mail knew that if there was a hint of the same plagiarism uh, on the part of a junior writer at the Globe and Mail, They'd be out the door, but there are different rules for Margaret Wente and there's different rules for Peter Mansbridge. And beyond the, hey, no fair, why can't I do that? Why can't I take a big lucrative speaking gig or why can't I plagiarize? Beyond that is, I think, a more principled concern from these journalists and these organizations, which is like, hey, you are dragging our name through the mud. You are depleting our credibility. We need that. These Sunset Years journalists are sinking the ship for everybody else and people have been afraid to say anything about it. Now, if it took an incident like this, and you know, I'll avoid the word scandal, if it took something like this to have that conversation out in the open, within the CBC, outside of the CBC, then that would be super terrific. But it could go the other way. There could be a knee-jerk reaction from this where nothing really changes. And I'll tell you what I'm talking about. As I heard all of the experts get tapped and uh, holding forth on the CBC, all of these sort of retired journalists who have gone on to become ombudsmen and to run journalism programs at the universities, journalism experts, the wise old men and women of journalism who are finally weighing in on this and every one of them uh, agreeing unanimously that what Peter Mansbridge has been doing and to a lesser extent Rex Murphy uh, is just not acceptable. It's not acceptable, of course, to take money from the people you cover as a journalist. And many of them simply said that no journalist should do paid speaking at all. And I could see out of that just a very traditionally Canadian response that we go hard the other way and the CBC doesn't let anybody do this kind of stuff and it just becomes a very dirty thing for any journalist to do a paid speaking gig. And, and in this, I am completely self serving in making this defense, but I don't think I'm just speaking for myself because not everybody is Peter Mansbridge or Rex Murphy who are just padding out very handsome incomes. In this day and age, it is very difficult to make a living wage as a journalist and freelance or contract or casual is what most people are. Most journalists need to make money somewhere else. As I've said before on this program, I do paid speaking gigs. I avoid clients who I cover. And if I ever find myself in a sticky situation where I'm covering somebody now who I took money from earlier, I disclose. 
Now, I'm lucky to be able to do paid speaking, but I am not unique in any way in that I do work outside of traditional journalism. Just about anybody you meet under a certain age in journalism is doing work for uh, sponsored content, PR firms, marketing firms, corporate content. It is almost impossible unless you have one of these rapidly depleting rare full-time jobs to make a living solely from doing journalism with a capital J. So if the CBC's reaction or the Globe and Mail's reaction or, or, or anyone else is to get very high and mighty about this stuff and simply outlaw the practice to avoid this kind of embarrassment in the future, that is going to have a disproportionate influence on a certain sector in journalism, and that is young journalists. I mean, this job is becoming more and more like stage acting, where, you know, in order to subsidize the one gig you get in the summertime that you love to do, you got to do some commercials on the side, you got to wait tables and everything else. So rather than having this be a controversy that ends up taking food off the table of any young or even mid-career journalist, uh, what I hope is that this could maybe initiate a long overdue and, you know, very un-Canadian because it's about money, but uh, a long overdue conversation about just how people are expected to make a living and how we could balance these things and come up with a new rule book uh, about those issues. And I think what we're going to find is the bottom line is disclose. Whatever you're up to, if there's any hint of a possibility of influence or conflict, disclose it. Okay, but back to the story itself, back to oil. Let's talk about that. Is the story over? You may not hear about it on this show next week. There are a few other stories that have been on ice that I'm, I'm dying to get to you. But no, the story's not over. I mean, I, I think that, first of all, we still don't have key facts at the CBC. And this really is something that I hope Peter Mansbridge takes away from this, that I hope Jennifer McGuire takes away from this. They did themselves no favors by bunkering down. If at any point Peter Mansbridge had simply said, yes, I did this. Here's how often I did it. Here's the text of the speech. And you know what? The concerns people have about me doing it are not stupid. I understand those concerns. They are rational. And I'm going to have to consider whether I do stuff like this in the future. If he had said that at the beginning, that's as far as the story would have gotten. But that didn't happen. He didn't disclose. And we don't have all the information on who else has been doing it. Now, on Twitter, some other names have been bandied about. And people have been connecting the dots between different CBC hosts and oil sands gigs that they have done, and it'll have to be verified that these were done for money, and hopefully that will lead to coverage of what seems to be a big story here. I think that there's something brewing that really requires a lot of eyeballs, a lot of hands on deck, because it's going to take investigative reporters to get to the bottom of this, and that is the story of oil's influence in the media. Why are oil sands companies paying so much money? Are they huge Peter Mansbridge fans? Are they huge CBC fans? If it turns out to be true that they've been paying a lot of different CBC hosts to come and speak for them. I thought that the oil sector in Canada considered the CBC to be hopelessly biased to the left, a bunch of environmentalist tree huggers. Why would they invite those guys over for dinner and pay them tens of thousands of dollars? So is it crazy to imagine that there might be some other agenda? What do you get if you put tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars into the pockets of people whose job it is to report on this, the most controversial and divisive issue in Canada? What exactly is the relationship, for that matter, between CAP and the National Post? We heard an allusion last week to this presentation that former National Post publisher Doug Kelly gave to CAP, where they were planning some kind of editorial partnership to push energy issues through the National Post. 
Now, Rex Murphy and others mock any whisper of an idea that there is some grand oil conspiracy. I don't think there's a conspiracy. This may just be a very effective PR campaign, especially if you're dealing with media outlets that up till now seem to have had no problem with these conflicts of interest. So I'm curious how much money has gone from oil sands companies into the pockets of journalists not to buy advertising, but to buy what? A speech? I'm not so sure. I'm going to be looking at that. And now that this is out in the open, I really hope that everybody else is too. Okay, that is your Canada Land Show. I hope you liked it. Check out the website at canadalandshow.com where we're posting articles all the time. Email me at jesse at jessebrown.ca. I read everything you send me and I try to write back when I can. I'm on Twitter at jessebrown. Come check me out. Interesting things are happening there all the time. The next episode of Canada Land will be up on Monday morning. And if you like this show, recommend it. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.